This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Father, hear us in this place. You are our hiding place. We need you in these very desperate times. And we're so glad that when we call, you promised that you would answer. And while we are yet speaking, you said you would hear. Thank you, Lord, for being with us, for being our God, our healer, our help, our strength, our delight, our joy, our salvation. We love you. Oh, how we love Jesus. Amen. Let me read a quote to you from Mrs. White's writings. Today, the sign, the signs of the time declare that we are standing on the threshold of great and solemn events. Everything in our world is in agitation. Before our eyes is fulfilling the Savior's prophecy of the events to precede his coming, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. From Matthew 24. Now she wrote this over a hundred years ago. But it sounds like today. What a week we have had in our world. Planes falling and hail the size of golf ball crashing people's houses, tornadoes tearing off roofs for 40 miles, they said. Children killing children, children killing police officers, officers killing children. What a world we're in. Foolishness all in the politics. Do we want to be democratic? Do we want to be communist or socialist? All of it looks pretty bad. What a world we're living in. I love this psalm, Psalm 91, is that beautiful song that talks about God's deliverance for his children. Amen. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Some people think that Moses wrote this song. It could be. They said before Passover, he wrote it. Can you imagine? It kind of sounds like it. And I could see him, imagine with me, him standing with all the million of folk that are about to go out. Now, they've had all kinds of problems, haven't they? But he's saying to them before they, they go, before the Passover, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Moses knew about that, living out in deserts. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Now, some folks think that David said it, that he wrote this psalm, because it doesn't say in the, in the, in the psalm who wrote it. So some folks think it was David, and it sounds like David in there to me. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Sounds like somebody was out there in the hills. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Now that sounds like Moses again to me. 
you know, when it was darkness and the air, the terror by night or the pestilence that, that, what is it? The terror by night or for the arrow that flieth by day or the pestilence that walketh in darkness or for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy and 10,000 at thy, but it shall not only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because he hath made the Lord, which is, because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels to keep thee. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. Now, I love that. That sounds just like David, because he was always beating up lions and bears and stuff. But it says, you will tread upon the lion and the snake. The young lion and the dragon, sure sounds like our time, will you trample under your feet. Whoa! What a psalm of deliverance and power of promise. As you see, I love it. It's one that I need for these days because it's chock full of promises. But I want you to notice some things about this promise scripture for you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The Most High, one name of God, El Elyon. This name of God means the supreme, powerful God. He that dwells in the secret place of, the, of El Elyon, the supreme, powerful God, if you dwell in his... You don't come in and out, right? Dwell means that you be there, that you stay there. They, those of us who like to dwell in his presence of the most high, supreme, all-powerful God. Now, how do you dwell in God's secret place? His secret place, well, Jesus said it this way. He said, and when you pray, enter into your closet and pray to your Father, which is in secret, right? So when I'm in relationship with him, when I'm coming close to him, I am learning to dwell in his space. I'm staying in the house of the Lord. I'm Praying without ceasing. I am dwelling. It's more than just when you wake up in the morning or and then you say your blessing and then you go on off and do your own thing. We are learning to pray without ceasing so that every breath becomes a prayer. We're always in conversation with him. Isn't that awesome? Wait a minute. I can come boldly to the throne of grace all the time? You don't have to clock it. Okay, wait, this is my time. He'll listen to me now. He will, when we dwell with him, we're always in conversation with him. See, some people pray different ways. Some people wait until they get into their car and they turn off their music or maybe they turn on their praise music and they get to shouting and praising and thanking him. That's dwelling. There's not a one way to pray, folks. There's not a one way to pray. Some folks lay in their beds and pray before they even get out of bed. Some wait till they get out of bed, and when they hit their knees, then they pray. And some people, when they're washing dishes, they're standing there praying, thank you, God, for giving me some dishes to wash. There's not a one way to pray. And if you look in Scripture, there were all the, you know, when 
after Jesus' resurrection, when they were walking down, down the road with him, they were dwelling with Jesus and didn't even recognize him, but they were walking and praying. I love to do prayer walk. I pray walk around my hospital all the time because I want, like, I want to have an army all around my hospital. I want chariots of fire because, see, now people are hacking into hospitals. I have to put a boundary. That's my, that's my job as a pastor, to keep a boundary around my home, a boundary around my hospital. And where I go, my angel has to go because I'm dwelling with him because our angels always see Jesus. Isn't that all right? He that dwells stays in prayer and study and worship. There was a church, because I'm going to tell you all some stories from Sabbath school lessons. Those of you who do not get your Sabbath school lessons, you are missing some wonderful stories, true stories, that come out of our church. If you don't even, you ought to get the book just so you can get the stories. Although the messages, this, this, this quarter is on Matthew, the gift of God. And so we're learning about his particular understanding about who Jesus was. But here's a story from one of our old Sabbath school lessons back in Sudan. There, they had so many wars in Sudan. Most of the folks had been slaughtered, but there was, a, there was an Adventist church that the first Adventist church that was built in the Sudan was still there. And the church members, God did not let them leave. He told them to stay there and do ministry. Well, and the men, because they were Seventh-day Adventist Christians, they would not join the army and they would not join the guerrilla force. And so the army was angry at them because if they've got to fight, they wanted them to fight. But then the other folks thought, well, if they're not fighting with us, then they're against us. So both sides hated the Adventist Christians. Some of the soldiers thought the Adventists refused because they were working for the guerrillas. So one day, some of the soldiers decided that they were going to burn down the church. So they went over to the church, and it had a, a thatch roof on it. And they lit fire, they threw it up there, and the church would not burn. They kept trying to burn it. It will not burn. And so finally, one of the men said, this is wrong, or we would have been able to burn this church down with one match. Others disagreed. They got to fighting each other and left the church alone. Amen? And then the next group of troops decided they were going to force the Adventists to join the church. So during Sabbath worship, the, the, the troops surrounded the church, and then when they, the church was over, they took the men, captured the men, and took them to their commander. They took them to their base commander. He in interviewed each one of them one by one, and they explained to him that they were taken by force, that they were Christians, they loved Jesus, and so he let them go. When the soldiers who had captured the Adventists saw that they were released, they threatened to go home too. The commander told them that they needed to think very carefully about their decisions. This is what he says, I quote, we have been in several dangerous situations lately, but God has protected us. Perhaps it is because of the prayers of these Adventists that we have been saved. If you mistreat these people because of their faith, you might find yourself fighting against God. And remember the day that these Adventists flee their village, God's protection may leave us as well. 
Three months later, the fighting in the area grew worse. When the Adventists started to leave, all the rest of the villagers left too because they believed that the safest place to be was with God's people. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty, the second name that is written in here is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the abundant God, the God. In fact, Shaddai comes from breast. He's the mighty breasted God. It's a very feminine name of God. He is one who gives bountifully to all of his people. It reminds me of the story when Jesus says of himself, I would have been like a, a hen with my sheep. If you would come under, under my wings, under my feathers, I would have protected you, but you would not come. So we see God's being shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to be safe under my shadow. You know, when I think of the shadow of God, it reminds me of Peter. Remember? When Peter in Acts would walk, people would bring their sick relatives, and when his shadow touched them, they would be healed. Remember that? Oh, my goodness. When we are living in his shadow, I read that Adventists, no, Christians should never be afraid of shadows, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We should never be afraid because if there's a shadow, that means there's light close by, amen? <laughs> you can't have a shadow if the light is not there. And who is the light? Jesus. If you're afraid of shadow, it's because you're looking at the shadow. You need to turn and look at the light so that you have your boldness return. Amen. He shall abide under the shadow of the one who is the abundant God. I may have told some of you about, mm, where is that story? Back in 1937, in Angola, at the, the Namba Adventist Mission, they had had drought and pestilence for so long there, it had gone on for 40 years, that 40 years of drought. By this time, there was not even, they had eaten, all the grass was gone, all the green stuff was gone, only, there weren't even any grasshoppers left to eat. They had nothing. They were starving. And so they called at the mission statement, at the mission, at Adventist Mission, they said, let's have a prayer meeting. And so they had prayer meeting, and they were praying and praying, and the, the five-year-old walked back in the house. She wandered back in, and she was eating something white. She explained to her mom, and they said, what are you doing? Put that down. It could be poison because there's nothing out there to eat. The little girl said, Outside, I saw two men in strange clothes. They said, God has answered your prayers and has sent you food, just as in the days of Moses. It is manna. Take it and eat it. So I'm eating it, and it tastes good. <laughs> and all the folks ran out, and when they ran out, they saw covered the ground, the bare trees, the stumps, the dust, the cars, everything were white coriander seeds, just like it was named in scripture. 
true story. And it kept falling, and everybody got food, and they ate it, and they boiled it, and they baked it, just like in the Old Testament. God sent manna. They invited the neighboring folks that were not in the Adventist community, brought them all in, and then they all ate well. The folk ate good. It's in our guide. It's in the guide magazine. All those stories in the guide are true stories. And so they said, this is unbelievable. Every day there was manna, and it lasted for a long time, and then after a while, it only came down on Wednesdays and Friday. Prayer meeting and Sabbath. <laughs> they said, no one will believe this. We need to send it to the conference office. They said, let's do it. They put it in a basket. It did not rot, and they sent it to the conference office. Isn't that awesome? See, if we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the abundant God has promised that he will take care of us. I will say of the Lord. Now, I will say this is the third name of God in here. I will say of the Lord. This name is God's covenant-keeping name. This is Yahweh or Jehovah, if you put all these vowels in it. This is Yahweh. This is the great I am. I will say of the I am. I will say of the covenant-keeping God, you are my refuge and my fortress. I will say of the one who always keeps the promises. You know what's interesting to me? That God makes the promises to us. Because he says our promises are ropes of sand. As soon as I say, I promise, Lord, I'm not going to think a negative thought. Somebody's going to do something ugly to me, right? Lord, I am not going to eat another chocolate bar. Then somebody's going to give me a gift of chocolate, and the Bible says that nothing is to be refused. Thank you. <laughs> but he makes the, pro the promises. My, my God, the Lord, this name, he says he is my refuge and my fortress. That's two different things. A refuge is a place when you're under attack that you run to. But a fortress is a place where you stay when you're under attack. Amen? So he is a place that I can go. He's my destination, and he's my place of safety. The Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress. And then the fourth name he puts in there, whoever is writing it, Moses or David, my God, this name is Elohim. This is the plural God. This is the God of Genesis. This is the God who says, let us make man. And then he went down. What? It's a plural name. It's a, I forgot to tell you all the story, but I'll come back to it. It's a plural name with a singular vowel. Isn't that interesting? Let us make man. This is the God of Elohim. This is the triune God. He that dwells in the secret place of El Elyon, the one who is all-powerful, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the, the one who is bountiful and gives to us. I will say of the Lord, the one who will keep his promise to you, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God. This is the God who created you. This is, this is God who 
keeps you at all times, who is your strength, but he's all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the one who stays with you. God, and I love this one because, well, I love all of them. But it says to me that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who created you, let us make man in our own image. That's you. That's me. That's us. That all of them are involved in our salvation. A thousand will fall at your side. You know, that's a scary thought, isn't it? But I imagine that that's what happened to the children of Israel as they saw those plagues and the locusts and the, and the moraine and the, and the darkness and, and children dying, the firstborn. A thousand would fall here and 10,000 over there, but it didn't touch them. When everything went dark, I read, when it went dark in Egypt, it was light in Israel. Israel had not even begun. For the children of, of God, it was still light. You know, we're facing some very amazing times that we're coming up with. It's amazing. And when I, when I think back, remember the story of, of Hiroshima? Remember that story? Nine, August the 6th, 1945. Remember that blast that fell? Remember the story of Hiroshima, that there was a Hiroshima Seventh-day Adventist church? Remember that story? Well, let me, let me tell you, some of y'all don't know that story. But there was a Hiroshima Seventh-day Adventist church, and they had been worshiping and praising. They had been there for over 70 years. But the Japanese started to, to persecute them, and the general, they tore down the church, but they rebuilt it again. The General Conference sent them money. So for another 60 years, they kept on serving, but then persecution started happening again. And they told them they, they could not worship as Christians anymore. And they persecuted them so much that every one of the Seventh-day Adventists, most all of them, left the city. And they got the pastor who had helped build the church to tear down the church. They were so sad. They were so broken until they figured out why God scattered the whole church outside of the city of Hiroshima. Not too many of the Seventh-day Adventists were left in Hiroshima because on August 6th, the first hydrogen bomb to ever fall on a city happened. But there were not too many Adventists there because God had sent them out of the city. Amen? And when they did, a reporter did research, they found that not one Seventh-day Adventist died in the entire blast. There were some Adventists. There was a doctor that was still in the city. She was less than a mile from the epicenter, from the place where the bomb fell. Things, glass, would go whoosh, oh, the temperature was like 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. <laughs> That's pretty hot, isn't it? It would melt, it melted concrete. The glass was, it would go like um, shards, like swords and kill folk. And the ash and everything, well, she was right there. Nothing happened, didn't even get a burn. She ran to the outskirts, and she was the doctor taking care of folks. She said she worked for one week without food, water, or sleep helping people. What? I wonder how and who sustained her. Amen? Amen. 
true stories. These are true stories that are in our Sabbath school books, in our magazines, to remind us that he that dwells in a secret place of the Most High shall abide. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in him. See, I can go everywhere with him. He is the triune God. And so when I was thinking for the last few weeks, I don't sleep that well. You know, I've never been one to, my husband, he can lay down like this. But me, I got to toss and turn and think. And if I've got a bunch of things to do tomorrow, I've got to plan them and I've got, uh, uh. So what I've been doing just lately, because I've done other things, but recently, I've been trying to remember miracles in my life. And I've been trying to figure out if they're miracles or blessings. Was that a miracle? Was it a miracle that when we were driving from here to, from here to, um, from Oregon to here, and our tire blew out over there in Utah, that nobody was around, and immediately, as, as soon as the tire blew out, that a car pulls up, the young man fixes the car, and we look, and he was gone, and we couldn't even say thank you, and he fixed the tire. Was that a miracle or just a blessing? I don't know. Was it a miracle or a blessing that when I was moving down to Memphis, when I got my first job as a chaplain, I was about to die in Virginia because I was having such an a asthma attack that I had to have my family load up my car because I couldn't breathe anymore. And I drove from Virginia to Memphis, Tennessee with my head out the window because I could not breathe. Was that a miracle or was that a blessing? Was it a miracle or, was it a miracle or blessing that when my car, I'm driving on empty and I get to wherever I go, is that a miracle or a blessing? Which one is it? Or when the car they said should have been dead anyway, should never have moved, kept me going for two more years. Was that a miracle or a blessing? And so I'm trying to remember, are they miracles or they blessing? Because I see, he is my God, in him will I trust. He has set us up for victories. Have you recalled your miracles and your blessings? Do you ever think about how he's delivered you and blessed you and gotten you through and kept you safe? Was it a miracle or a blessing that I could go into the inner city down where everybody was getting shot and no one bothered me at any time. Was it a miracle or just a blessing? You know, over and over, when you start thinking about, or just a few weeks ago when I was going home from prayer meeting and ended up and stuck at the, at the light right there, and then I hear, boom, crash, crash, and the poor car that was coming too fast had to veer off and almost hit the, <laughs> hit the, the pharmacy and ran into things, trees fell in front of me, but it did not scratch my car, did not scratch me. Was it a miracle or a blessing? All day long, he is our refuge and our fortress, our God and him will I trust. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling. See, he's our hiding place. You know that that song goes. He is our hiding place. He always fills my heart with songs of deliverance. 
Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. You are my hiding place. God is our safety. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. But that psalm ends with God talking. All through the psalm, the writer is talking, talking to us and talking about himself. But it ends with God talking. In the end, after he's saying, you are, I trust you, you're my habitation, God ends with this. Because he, because you have set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high because you have known my name. Name four. Because you've known my name. I will, you will call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. And with long life, eternal life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. God ends with this, ends a psalm. Because you've learned, because we've learned to dwell in his presence, he makes all these I will promises to us. I will. The one who cannot lie or go back on his promises says, this is what I will do. You know, there was back um, some years back, there was an Abyssinian king who took a British citizen, captured him, and put him in a dungeon. The British king said, I want him back, and they refused to bring, give him back, that one man. And so 10 days later, the king of Britain sent 10,000 troops by ship to go, and they, to go get this one prisoner, took, they had to walk 700 miles and climb this mountain, and then they fought against the Abyssinian king and his folks. They tore down the gates, and they got the British citizen back, put him up on his shul their shoulders, and they brought him back home. It cost them $25 million dollars to get one citizen back. You know what? They did that for one person, and God has paid infinitely more to get you back. Isn't that good news? You're worth more than $25 million to God. He sent his only begotten son because he adores you. I will set you on high. You will call upon me, and I will answer you. I will reward you with eternal life. Isn't that good news? Oh, you know, all these wonderful signs that are happening in our world right now. The weather out of control. The children out of the control. The politics out of control. People talking crazy about all kinds of things. Believing in so many amazing things. But he's promised that it won't come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Let's pray. Father, we believe you. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. We bless your name, El Elyon, Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh. Oh, Father, we are so thankful that you are our Father, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer because of the power of your name. 
We believe that you will do the things that you have declared to us this day. And we thank you for providing for us. And Father, we choose to surrender our lives to you that you might indeed be our hiding place. So bless us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for writing our names in your book of life. We love you and we praise you for all these wonderful benefits. And thank you that we will see the reward of the wicked and the gifts and the blessings for the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.